Good morning. So, of course, we're in the uh, <clears throat> final session of the uh, fall training period 2020 in a, <clears throat> a remarkable year, I'm sure. At least remarkable up to now. Uh, I could assume that 2020 is a year that will live long in the memory, but it, it may it may be eclipsed by 21 and 22, <laughs> or, or, or or who knows? But it's been it's been we can all agree an on very unusual and atypical year. It's been that way here at Yokoji, of course. Some ways it's a a very different place to to ride out a pandemic in that the day-to-day hasn't changed very much for those that, that live here. And in some ways, it's been more focused and sequestered than usual because we haven't had those, uh, the, the guest groups, you know, where we'd usually have all of that and more, more of the business side of things that help support the place that, that hasn't uh, that hasn't been in effect this year. Uh, but it's been a time where just a, uh, a few people have uh, maintained the maintained the schedule, and so we found ourselves uh, almost at the end of fall training before we move into what I personally hope. Although you know what I hope doesn't have any real bearing on it. Uh, what I what I hope would be a fairly mild, <laughs> a mild winter. I was uh, <clears throat> I was a little shocked and demoralized to go from. 90 degree summer to five inches of snow in a week and, and kind of skip fall. <laughs> but right now we have this, uh, <clears throat> you know, wonderful, wonderful weather with uh, cool but not too cold mornings and evenings and uh, warm but not too hot days and all of this uh, time to to sit and to, to formally practice for the schedule of of session for for at least several days, and I thought I would you know begin with uh, bringing up a, a koan from the the book of book of equanimity. I very much like the the book of equanimity. Uh, I think the I think many people I wouldn't be the first person to make this point, but many people would agree that. Uh, perhaps the the real meat of of koan study is in the in the blue cliff and the book of equanimity. It's like the really the the middle of it, and complementary collections of koans. Uh, they share a lot of koans between them, and but the verses are, are, are of course different, and there's a different emphasis and a, a different common thread that goes through both collections. And when I when I returned to to Yokoji after being um, away mostly in LA for for four or five years, uh, when I when I came back to practice, uh, I finished. I was finishing up the Blue Cliff at that point, Blue Cliff record, and then the Book of Equanimity. So I I, I went on to that next, and I, I remember it well. And I my my attitude had. Um, I think my attitude had changed in those intervening years and I took it uh, more seriously. So the cases feel feel much more familiar. 
And uh, this this case harkens back to as the like well, I guess all of them do pretty pretty much. I mean, it's uh, to a certain era in China. Although several of the cases are talking about earlier sutras from India too, but this is uh, uh, case seven. Yaksan takes the the high seat. Uh, preface to the assembly to the assembly eyes ears nose and tongue are each unique the eyebrows are above the eyes in soldering farming crafts and trades each performs a service such a one is always at ease how does a true zen teacher proceed in the main case attention for a long time Yakusan had not ascended the high seat. The administrator monk spoke to him, saying, The monks have been wondering about some guidance for a long time. Your reverence, for the sake of the assembly, will you please give us a talk? Yakusan had the gong struck and the monks then assembled. Yakusan ascended the high seat, remained silent for a while, then got down and went back to his quarters. Later on, the administrator monk said to him, Master, a little while ago you agreed to give us a talk on behalf of the assembly. Why didn't you give us even a single word? Yaksan replied, There are sutra teachers for the sutras and instructors for the commentaries. Why do you come and bother this old monk? An appreciatory verse. Catering to an idiot's whim with bogus bills. Ryoshi and Suifu both look back at the whip's shadow. A cloud sweeps the endless sky. A crane nests in the moon. Pure cold penetrates the bones. He sleeps no more. This was a case from this... uh, golden age of Chan or Zen Buddhism in, in China. Yakusan was a, um, <clears throat> a Dhamma of Sakito Kisan. So in the, in, the, in the lineage that comes down to us here, Yakusan Egan figures there, coming down from Sakito Kisan. At the time where the lineages were were separating somewhat or distilling into styles and uh, the different houses of Zen. And so we had Sekito Kisan, who was a Dharma teacher and <clears throat> contemporary of Great Master Master Basso Matsu, and these lineages would later distill into. Uh, Soto and Rinzai lineages. And apparently, uh, uh, people would pass from uh, Master Kisen, Sekito Kisen, to Master Baso, maybe go back and forth. We have that tradition at that time in China of uh, students, uh, practitioners being sent from uh, temple to temple. In the, uh, in the, in the Dharma talk that uh, Kisen gave for the the Shuso Hosen Koan, uh, Master Ryuge was in that place of traveling and, and going from 
teacher to teacher. Uh, somewhat around the same, somewhat around the same era. Sakito Kison, uh, very fond of uh, the poem of the uh, Song of the Grass Roof Hermitage, which if you if you haven't looked at it, uh, is well worth is well worth reading and and studying. You know, a practitioner and a personality of someone who is uh, well content with their with their lot and well content with their, their life. And someone who, at least from reading about him, was not really uh, seeking student, students or a, or a big audience. You know, in, in uh, quite different than Master Matsu Basso, who was, uh, must have been much more uh, gregarious as he had, um, I'm not sure how many successes, a lot, 50 or 60 or something, I think. <laughs> So must have seen a lot more people. And Yakusan Egan became a, a successor of, uh, of Sekito Kisan and perhaps had something of, uh, uh, well, I'm sure, something of the same style. And this is the lineage that runs through uh, to Tozan, through Ryuge, through all of the, uh, what would become the Kaodong and Soto school in, in China, which was characterized sometimes uh, Soto school as the school where uh, uh, you understand even before a word is raised. So that's one way that the Soto school, an understanding that is before, uh, before even a word or a phrase comes forward. That's a real in your bones understanding where even words are to speak about things is, is extra. You know, we could perhaps contrast that with uh, the what would become the, the Rinzai school at that point where the uh, device of provoking or catalyzing awakening was often uh, a stick or a shout, something that was used as a catalyst to help uh, awaken, to help force uh, Practitioners beyond discursive knowing step step into direct experience. You know, for us here, in somewhat quite unusual again to come up and give a Dharma talk when there's eight people, including including me, in the room. Yeah, although with a talk that's recorded, maybe some other people listen to it and it, it goes out in that way, but. You know, and I look around the room as I did at the beginning of uh, session, where I, of course, you you may have noticed I uh, uh, completely forgot to read the session precautions. Right, so, <laughs> session never officially began. <laughs> oh, you know, so it may never officially end either. <laughs> but afterwards, when it struck me, I'm like, ah, oh well. What you know, really, the, for the people who are gathered here in this room, do we do we need to to go over those again? Of course, in some ways, you could say yes. I mean, every session begins anew, particularly with it being Rohatsu session, to to raise that up and and to to recommit. But there's also on the other side, um, there's long long experience here. Uh, it felt good to to collect a uh, a list of participants of people who have really 
shown up over the years and been very, very, very involved to come together and say, yeah, we'll, we'll do this, this quiet, private uh, week together. And so then the talk is, can, perhaps is going to be different, right? Because this is not something where uh, often on the first day we talk about how to approach session and to go over some of those basics about how to uh, set thinking aside, how to organize uh, posture and, and mind and how to approach. Because again, for, for, for us here, that has, been, that has been said many times. And, and the training wheels are long off the bike and everybody is, uh, is sailing their own ship here. That's a terrible mixed metaphor of bike and ship. <laughs> and, and so it seems fitting to raise up uh, a, a, a koan like this with Master, Master Jackson. In, in Master Dogen's writings or in, Shobogon, in Shobogenzo where he talks about uh, how to approach Zazen, he says, uh, think not thinking. How do you think non-thinking? Non-thinking. This also appears, and perhaps that's where it was taken from, uh, something that um, Master Yakusan Egan said. The practice of how to approach uh, thinking mind, or what is the relationship to thinking mind. When you sit zazen, non-thinking. Sit non-thinking. Uh, for myself, in my, my experience of uh, these uh, sessions and these years of training and of practice and uh, exploration of, of meditation and of zazen, that really is the, is the, the great shift and the great heart, heart of, of zazen, is what is the relationship to constructing, thinking, identified mind. If that is really, um, that relationship is a good one, if that is brought into uh, a proper alignment, then Zazen is, is really then a straightforward activity. A straightforward activity of sitting as, as uh, no less than a Buddha, sitting next to a Buddha. And said that, and um, Roshi Wick, who put this book together, brings up uh, an interaction between Yakusan and his teacher Sekito earlier. When Yakusan met Sekito, Yakusan was sitting in meditation, and Sekito asked him, "What are you doing?" Yakusan said. I'm doing nothing at all. Sakito said, then you're sitting idly. Yakusan said, if I were sitting idly, then I would be doing something. Checking him further, Sakito said, you say you're doing nothing. And what is it you're not doing? Yakusan said, even thousands of old Buddhas do not know. It's a wonderful interaction and uh, 
a testing of the quality of uh, of zazen that, that Sekito does. Again, in a, in a very everyday and precise manner. You see, like, the flavor of the school. There's no shouts. There's no one's... No one's getting smacked in this one, right? But there's there's rather just a a plain and everyday interaction. What are you you doing? A good question for each of us when we sit. I mean, are we ready to respond at any point? If, uh, you know, we're sitting here, if, say, Roshi just turned to you and said, and called you by name and asked you, what what are you doing? (laughs) You know, how, how would we respond? Are you ready to respond? With, with, with confidence and with, with freedom there? Is, is it as plain as the, the, the nose on our face? What it is that we're actually doing in the practice of, of in this case, meditation or, or zazen, sitting. But when asked this, Yakusen said, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing nothing at all. And with the use of language, and especially with these inter- the interplay of Zen testing, sometimes difficult to discern with the words whether that's something um, uh, modest and hidden, hiding out, or it's something literal. Yeah. To say, I'm doing nothing at all. That could be the response of somebody who's never practiced. That could be a response of somebody who just sat down for the first time. I'm doing nothing at all. I'm here in Sakito prods and says, then you just, you're doing nothing. Then you're just wasting time. Then you're just sitting idly. And it's a good check for us in our practice, particularly in Sashin, where so many hours are devoted to to Zazen, how is that time being expressed? How's it being actualized? Uh, or uh, is there a time there where we're just uh, sitting idly? We all know what that sitting idly is. I think you know, if we're if we're engaged in in sitting, we come in perhaps for three periods, and one and a half of them are somewhat uh, a focus, and the other the other one and a half periods are thinking about what's going to go on with Thanksgiving and where we might, you know, go and who's got to come or what have I got to do and then start to uh, allow ourselves to drift into that kind of machination and a planning. And then, of course, that's no longer, that's no longer sitting. That's sitting idly. That's um, or just sitting thinking about musing about things. So that's always, and there's no one inside our head that's checking that. There's no teacher, there's no, uh, there's no authority there that is watching that. So every one of us is independent and has to take uh, responsibility for our actualization in, in, every, in every sitting period. Not just in every sitting period, of course. You know, as soon as we're off the cushion or involved in other activity, the same criteria apply. How are we engaged and how are we aligned with the totality of, of, of our experience of, of life? Because as soon as we separate, as soon as we stand apart from the present appearance because it doesn't match our 
scheme of preference on whatever level, then we're off to the side and that's when separation uh, takes root and becomes apparent. And it can start by being, um, uh, doesn't seem like much of a problem, you know, to just sit idly and no, no, no real great hurt taking place, it may seem, in that kind of activity. But I would say that uh, we have to be very careful uh, because as of those weeds, once they, once they start to grow, are difficult to pull out. You know, as if we construct and continue to identify and fix and place and scheme when we're sitting, then for sure that same mechanism runs uninterrupted through the rest of our experience. And it's not that we're trying to become something different than being human. We have that uh, way that we navigate life and we plot and we scheme. But it has nothing to do with Zazen. That's that. Zazen is something else. Zazen is not sitting idly. Zazen is sitting non-thinking. You know, as Yakasan says in retort, after being prodded, then you're sitting idly, says if I was sitting idly, I would be doing something. You know, a wonderful answer. That's doing something. Sitting and thinking about things is doing something. Sitting and resisting the conditions of our present reality is doing something. Rejecting uh, some internal or external phenomena is doing something, is still doing something. Trying to get somewhere else, doing something. Trying to rid ourselves of, is still doing something. Zazen really is doing nothing but sitting. You know, hence Zazen. Za, sit, zen. Sit, zen. Walk, zen. Carry, zen. All this activity of being thus. We hone that with the sitting practice. And as so much time is given to the sitting practice and to really to let that penetrate deeply. All it needs to be mastered and actualized or realized is this doing nothing. Revealed in sitting where it is most obvious but then later expressed and brought to life in the great activity of doing nothing all day. As we get on, we're doing all kinds of things. Of course, our difference is really disappearing and practicing intimately with all things so that that non-separation is something much more than a word. It becomes the reality of who and what we are and how we live. It becomes very obvious who and what we are. I'm not sitting idly, then I'd be doing something. And this meticulous checking from, you know, he could have let him off at that point. Oh, all right, good one. Aha, I wouldn't. No, but he goes on, checking him further. You know, and again, this is for um, a teacher of real depth, recognizes depth, 
or recognizes ability and wants to see just how much depth there is there. Instead of leaving it at that point, checks him further. You're saying you're doing nothing. What is it you're not doing? Very good. Another wonderful retort. Like a... Kind of like the, you know, like the US Open final. <laughs> the, the amazing backhand that goes over the net. He's never going to reach this. And then, you know, back it comes. You know, playing at a very high level. What is it you're not doing? And the answers even thousands of Buddhas do not know. And that, that ends there. And that, that's our practice Zazen, that's our practice of session. Even a thousand Buddhas do not know. It's not a matter of arrival at a destination where it is it is known to be something. And we get mixed up in enlightenment or delusion or, or, or an attainment. What is it that we're doing when we're sitting? When we really look, when we really become become revealed as that then what is that anything that we can say then about it really only lives in the realm of a pointer lives in the realm of a comment or a, or a capping phrase on our experience because we understand that the word of a description or however it can be encapsulated is a snapshot of reality that has no uh, enduring nature. It's just a comment. What are you doing? And what could you say that would like wrap it up neatly? If it was so, if it could be understood or gathered or fixed in that way, well, thank gosh that it can't because somebody would have monetized it by now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we see here even at the beginning Master Yakasan was very you know knew what Zazen is and that was only the beginning of his study there so here we meet him many years later you know in the preface which always of course points at our main case eyes, ears, nose and tongue are each unique Eyebrow, eyebrows are above the eyes you know, we can certainly say that in that relative way, all of these things that we have, and each one of us appearing in a different shape, a different size. You're over there, you're over here, I'm over here. We all appear uniquely and differently, but everything is just in its right place. Everyone is in exactly the right seat <laughs> right now. Everything is exactly just so. This one here, that one there, the empty seat, the Buddha on the altar, the rock wall outside, the sky, the weather just as it is, everything appearing exactly just as is. So we see from this standpoint, from this place of realization, that all things are just so. 
And when that is understood, when that's really understood in the heart and bones, then that is consistent with the Buddha's right view. To see things, to see things as they are. Not difficult in that sense, or not hidden. In, sold, in soldering, farming, crafts and trades, each performs a service. I'm not sure of a translation there. I'm not sure they were soldering back in those days days, or welding or something. Maybe maybe they were. Soldering and each performs a service. You know, we're all in this uh, comedy troupe together. Right? Each one of us. Some of us, uh, not sure anyone here is a farmer. But there are teachers and there are, you know, mechanics and artists and <laughs> yeah, accountants and um, real estate agents, all kinds of people, each performing a service, everybody taking on a role, everybody fulfilling a role. Such a one is always at ease. So how does a Zen teacher proceed? What is there that's uh, special then about being a Zen teacher? You know, for, I was very, certainly hugely intrigued to discover what a Zen teacher was. <laughs> you know, my early uh, inquiries into this practice, you know, if I really wanted to know, uh, reading the, the accounts, like these accounts from this, uh, always, I still find it extraordinary that all these years ago in distant lands, thousands of years ago, uh, people inquired into and came to understand their place in life and in reality. And that, that, that of course, in some way, in hindsight, well, duh, <laughs> you know, well, why not? You know, and some of that may be like the, the arrogance of civilization that we would somehow understand understand more. But people knew and understood what a, what a human life was. And then these sayings and these koans would uh, leap off the page and, and intrigue me to, to really to inquire into. So they have some understanding that I, that I lack. You know, what, what, what could that possibly be? And there was a, you know, a call that brought me, brought me a long way and thousands of miles to like to really to look into that, and and perhaps to separate a farmer, a solderer, a, you know, whatever other crafts are here, and then so how does a Zen teacher? What's the difference there? And of course we we can't help but. Um, particularly in early practice, put a teacher uh, on a pedestal, whether one that's alive or one that's long dead. You know, have a spiritual guide that we um, idolize or feel can um, is somewhere uh, more advanced than we may be. And that's a temporary and necessary expedient in our training. You know, it's a long training, of course. You, know, you look at the the history of tradition of Zen 
Uh, in a day and age where most people want to sort of be done in six months or, or whatever with any kind of training in the spiritual realm, that's, of course, laughable in the tradition of, uh, of, of Zen Buddhism. It's always been, always will be, a lifelong practice of inquiry and refinement and a lifelong practice of hard work and selfless effort in order to really uh, realize the depths of it. And we all stand shoulder to shoulder with all of these uh, teachers and practitioners of the past in this great unbroken chain of thousands of years. But it also extends forward, backward and forward, back to distant China and India, forward through whatever is to, to come well beyond 2020. But right now we're in the seat. We're holding the space. It's our responsibility to faithfully transmit it. You know, the administrator comes to Yakasan. I resonate with, I'm like the administrator monk here. So that would be me. Like tension didn't show up for a few Sundays on Zoom, you know, it's like people are emailing and wondering what's going on and etc. So I might, you know, I'd probably ask him if he didn't show, like, what's going on? That's uh, something happened, you know. And um, and so the administrator monk chases up Yakasan, and maybe he's he's tired, of course, of of uh, giving talks or teaching something, maybe upsetting. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. As we as we may see from time to time, Zen teachers are not uh, above becoming upset, right? Uh, or tired of teaching. And yeah, but what is the role of a Zen teacher? Yeah. In a formal context, they teach. That's the day job. Yeah, at the beginning of the session, we come up and, like in the morning, we, we come up and we put on our robes. We don the rakasu, the service. We bow as we enter the room. Every one of us. You know, and there are many spheres out in the world living, a, living our life, performing our duties, taking care of our responsibilities. Is it really, is it really enough? You know, or are we still pursuing perhaps something more, something different? I don't know. I don't know if that's true for anyone, anyone here. But a Zen teacher still has to perform the role of a Zen teacher, of course, and Yakusan is shows up and uh, sends the, the high seat. So I think a little... Differently in those days was a literally, you know, a chair or raised up so that the assembly could, you could be seen by the assembly. Sends a high seat and um, I don't know why I'm looking it up. I'm pretty clear what he does. Um, Remained silent for a while then got down and went back to his quarters. But remained silent for a while. And sit down immediately, like get up and leave. 
but left a good long pregnant pause. Took the seat. And gave the Dharma talk of silence and fulfilling the role of sitting. And later on, perhaps in here, or maybe it's in the Blue Cliff, there's a similar case with uh, the Buddha in one, of the, in one of the heavens. Similar thing. Stands up, sits down. Or the Buddha when questioned by the philosopher about the way, just remain silent. And the questioner bowed and thanked him profusely and left. Or after Maitreya expounding on non-duality, when asked for his comment, Dimalakirti gave a thunderous silence. So we have many examples of this expression, what it all comes down to. Master Yakasan returns to his quarters and when questioned, you know, when asked, what, you know, what's going on? Is that it? Are we, are we, are we, are we disbanding? Are we dissolving the membership? He says, there are sutra teachers for sutras and instructors for the commentaries. Why do you come and bother this old monk? That is certainly so. I mean, in these days of, uh, you know, well, in those days, perhaps if we didn't feel an affinity with a teacher, you take the long and arduous journey and cross over to the next mountain range, beaten back bandits and fording rivers and go to see another teacher. Here, you can just hop on YouTube or these days or whatever, and there's a thousand teachers out there. Many of them very good. You know, so if we wish to study, then we can study. If we wish to learn, then we can learn. There's no, of course, there's no barrier there. And there's no stinginess in the Dharma. It's wide open, freely available. If we wish to uh, drink then there's plenty of water for us. That's so for session. That's so for us here for this week of practice that we have together. As I you know, mentioned at the beginning, long experience and know the ropes <laughs> at this point. So it's a good time to look in with this opportunity that we have, a rare one in this uh, strange year, to see what is there there? Is there something to be, if there's something still to be done? Is there a gap to be closed? Is there some attachment to be dissolved? Is there some sticking point to be let go of? Or is there something that's not really clear which we're efforting to clarify? Then when that is found, when it, if that is really seen, then we can really now 
concisely and with focus, get on with that. The necessary doing amidst the doing nothing. If there is something to be done, now's the time to take care of that. You know, as my Dharma brother Roshi's first successor, uh, Kaigen Roshi, I heard, uh, I think Tension told me, Tension Roshi told me that he uh, can say to people, if you can, you know, boil things down, bring things down, distill it down to one question and focus on that. If there's, if there's something there. And that's a tough one, because that can be nebulous. Be like, oh, if I could find it and bring it down to one question. But that's the work of session. That's the work of practice. We all have to uh, work that pro- unique process for each one of us. There's no comparison needed to somebody else. It's not a matter of 10 years of experience, 30 years, 50 years, 100 years. It's not a matter of becoming or turning into something or becoming accomplished or reaching a conclusion. Just like the solderer, the farmer, the crafter, the teacher, every one of us is arranged just so and all that's required is to live this life, the one that we already are, without a shadow, without a gap. And to let that then unfold and take us to each new destination that we find ourselves. The activity of a destination is always the same. It's always this just as is and aligning with that as well as possible. To really go beyond is to align with that so that you can't insert a hair in the gap. So that is my intention for uh, Rohatsu session, for this session, is to check myself in my practice, and particularly in here, in the practice of Zazen, to see, to ask, am I sitting idly? Or am I truthfully and really engaged in do nothing, in just sitting? And is that really being brought to life because we don't as we know we practice together so that though it may feel like our practice my practice your practice that's illusory you know, but in the role of Yakusan here in the role of a Zen teacher you know the, the the real irony of becoming accomplished you know to um pick up your own trash, then you realize that now you're going to be picking up everyone's trash <laughs> for, for the rest of your life. But if it's like there's no difference there between my trash and your trash, <laughs> then we can really share the load and take care and take care of things. With you know, with with real um, attention and heart to clean, to clean up, to raise up, to bring the value, to bring the meaning.
you know, great respect for everybody here. And uh, I appreciate practicing alongside you. And let, let's please continue.